I will hold on to your promise and you will not abandon me. I am safe. I am safe. It's my joy to be able to introduce and pray for the preacher this morning. Chaplain Carl Albert Long has been here once before, and a number of you have said, when is that young man coming back again? So we welcome Chaplain Long, and we welcome Dana, his lovely bride, and his children, and then his mother and his grandmother are also here. Shirley and I are going to be on that front row, and we are the choir for you to <laughs> preach to right here. So excited, so grateful. Our brother, our friend, if you know of anybody who's struggling with hope, anybody that's struggling with a dashed dream on a broken spirit, text them, call them, tell them to tune in if they're not here to the Alamo City streaming service. Lord, we ask you to anoint your servant with fire, with wisdom, with passion, with power, with truth. We ask you to set him on fire and set him free as he opens your heart from your word to preach to us today. Now, Lord, we're also asking that you'll help us to hear. It's, it's not enough the chaplain long be set on fire and be set free. We need the ability to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. So, Lord, will you touch our ears? Will you open the ears of our hearts and minds to hear what you're going to say to us in these next moments? That is our prayer. And we pray it in the name, and say his name with me, folks, in the name of Jesus. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. I said, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Let everything that have breath do it. Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord. I thank you all for having me again. It's always a pleasure when you get invited back. You know, I've been kicked out of a few churches. But it's too many to get sad about, so uh, I'm glad to be invited back. I want to thank my family for being here. I got some work to do, so I want to get straight to it. He prayed for us. He prayed for me. But now I'm going to pray for myself to settle my mind and my heart that I may do publicly what God has wrestled with me with privately. So, Father, I come to you right now, and I need you. <clears throat> Honestly, Lord, there's pain in my body. There's brokenness in my heart, but I stand here in transparency saying, please help me deliver to them what you have for them. As they pray for me, I will do my best to give to them what you have given to me. So, Father, I thank you, Lord, for all that have come. I thank you, Lord, for all those that are watching. And it is, it is, it is our prayer that someone is healed emotionally and mentally when they hear the richness of your word. We pray this prayer in faith. I thank you for this privilege. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and thank God. 
Amen. Amen. Um, this scripture, this teaching that we're going to, to go in today, that we're going to dive into today, is something that I have wrestled with now <clears throat> for the last about four or five months. It is a burden at times to meet people, to love on them, to meet their spouse or their children, only to watch them transition into heaven. That you hold the hands of the dying, you pray with the brokenhearted, you keep the faith with people that are faithless, you impart hope, and we do that day in and day out as ministers in this hospital. And it brought me to confliction of trying to figure out how a God that is so good at times seems to deal with his children so harshly. How is a miracle-working God good when we've prayed three to four months for healing and nothing but bad news continues to come? How is God good when sickness and murder and disease plagues the body of Christ? How is God good when you pray until you cry, but what you love still dies. And so it brought me to go to God, not as a preacher, not as a chaplain, but as a son, and say, Lord, if I'm going to do this, help me believe more in you than what I see. But don't allow me to be calloused by what I see. Set me free to the reality of your will, your way, and your word. And I believe through that journey, and as I journey, Two of my closest patients this week passed away, and that's why I said the heart of brokenness. I love them dearly, and uh, they allowed me in their life through some of the toughest moments of their family, and it, 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 it touched me to see them transition with the hope that they came in the house with, uh, the hospital with, and we have to understand that faith tested, but faith kept is real. When your faith can be tested and kept, that's the trueness of God's word. Let's go to God's word in Genesis chapter 4, and let's get into this. It's going to be a good one, I believe. Genesis chapter 4, verse 25. If you dare, say amen. amen. Say amen again. Amen. The book of Genesis. At verse 25 says this, and Adam knew his wife again. Everybody say again. And she bore a son and named him Seth. For God has appointed, everybody say appointed, another seed. Glory be to God. For me instead of Abel who Cain has kept. I have been living now long enough to know that everybody in this building is in a fight. As much as you may smile and much as you may say hallelujah, amen, praise God, God is good, you are still fighting something. It might be you fighting finances, you may be fighting in your marriage, you may be fighting at your job, you may be fighting to keep your mind, but 100% of us in here are going through something. The first point we want to look at and examine is a dead hope. Everybody say a dead hope. A dead hope is what my sister Eve is dealing with in Genesis chapter 4. She is sitting here all alone with news that her son is dead. And her other son killed him. 
But the problem is, is that her hope was that her redemption would come through one of them. Dead hope is when you had a hope in something, but the manifestation of that thing has been taken away. Glory be to God. Some of us have had a hope in retirement. We've had a hope in our relationship. We had a hope in our children that some of them would break the generational curses that plagued us. But now our children seem to be going further astray than even our, our own self at their age. There some of us that has a hope in our health, but the doctors put you on pills. You hate pills. You had a hope in your retirement, but you still have to work. You have a hope in your marriage, but it seems like you're always arguing, and you said, God, my hope is dead in this thing. It is a dead hope. What do you do when what I hope for seems dead? Well, Eve is sitting here, and the scripture tells us in the first part of this verse, it says what? And Adam knew his wife again. Everybody say again. I walked in a room one morning. I had the duty pager on a Saturday. I got a call from my oncology floor, and I go into a room, and the mother is weeping. I asked her, my sister, you called for a chaplain? She said, absolutely. I have the question I need to ask you. I said, what's that? She says, why would I try again? This is my fourth miscarriage. This one was 30 weeks old. I go and get a, 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 a checkup because he had moved in a few days. And they said there's no heartbeat. This Muslim woman tells me, you Christian man, tell me, why should I try again? I have the nursery. Everybody has thrown me a baby shower only to have dead hope. What would you tell her? How can you trust God when it seems as if God is the cause of my problem? You can act holy and act like you've never been there, but I guarantee you, you've asked God why. I'm good. Some of y'all right now even caught up that I called her a Muslim woman. So you say, well, she doesn't believe in God anyway. But, but so, so your mind is caught up in what she serves, but you don't understand that we all his creation. He cares about those who have even turned their hearts and minds from him. But why try again, she says. I sat there in silence with the woman. A husband is weeping, looking at what will never be. She says, I can't believe they're going to cut him out of me. Dead. A dead hope. Many of us say, our children get on our nerves, but she'll never hear his laugh. Many of us say, could you just give me a break and stop calling my name so much, but her son would never call her name. What we're tired of, she's hopeful for. How many of us wake up and say, I can't stand this job, but there's someone praying for the very thing that you occupy, that's a dead hope. When you're looking around and you see evidence of what you want in others, but you can't have it. 
Eve sits here in a dead hope, frustrated because she has to endure the strength to do it again. Glory be to God. That should have hit you right there. So she says, I'm going to do it again. So when she looked at me and said, Chaplain, I want children, but I can't go through this pain again. You tell me why do it again. And I almost, as quick as the old folks said, hiccup, the Lord said, because next time may be the time. I want you to write that down right there. The reason that you do it again in a dead hope is because this time may be the time. You're missing that. The reason that I will pursue God again in this dead situation is because he is a God of the suddenly. He is the God that will break through time past. He was the God that will break through frustration. He is the God that will break through fear. And this time may be the time. This time may be the time that your marriage becomes restored. This time may be the time your children get out of the club. This time may be the time your father gets off alcohol. This time may be the time he finally sends you what you need. But Satan is trying to rob you of the this time because you're still remembering that time. So I said, sister, I don't have much to give you, but I hope that if you dare to try again, that time may be different. In a dead hope, you have to muster up the strength. You have to muster up the courage. You have to get the will to say, this may be the time. I missed it that time. I didn't have the money that time. I didn't have the wisdom that, that time, but this time. I need about five people to say this time. This time may be the time that the church rises up to its former glory. This may be the season that we cast out again. This time may be the time we see healing. It's the this time in a dead hope. So I told her, sister, I don't care what you believe. It's about what I believe right now. There's not a situation that does not fall through the palms of my father's hands. And I dare you to believe, if you have enough courage, that this seed is not your last seed. There's another seed that he's going to give you. And Eve finds hope in the reality of the word of God that this time it didn't work out, but I have hope in the word that he gave me previously that since I have not seen the manifestation of what he said in the past, that my next time will be the time. What do we do in dead hope is have the courage that, Lord, I don't see it right now, and this hurts. Optimism is not always warranted. We always tell the broken to be optimistic. But until you've held the hand of someone you love, there's nothing that will replace it. When you cry with someone that you said hello to every morning, when you cry over someone that you'll never get to hear their voice again, when they're gone, Lord, what do I do now? The verse tells us here, it says, he gave her another seed. Everybody say a seed. Since it's my next time or this time when God wants to deliver you from hope, hopelessness, he gives you a seed. You just missed that. Some of y'all are asking to bring back what will never come back when you need to ask for a seed. If he gives me a seed, that's the evidence of my promise. All Eve needed to do was try again. God gave her another seed, and then we get Seth. But Seth, mother, 
is a strange child. What do you mean, Albert? There's somebody in here that since you know your parents walk in regret, they have put perfection over you that they never walked in. Seth is a promised seed, but he's the only, he's the only one. Can you imagine the discipline from his parents? Don't go there. Don't say that. Don't do that. Don't be that. Seth, calm down. You have to remember that Cain killed Abel. You have to remember we was in the, you are the promise. But the promise is not the seed. The promise is the word. So I'm trying to free anybody in that has this burden of perfection over you. That God's promise is not in your action. Your promise is in the reaction to the word. I, okay, you just missed that. You are trying to live perfectly impossible. But when you understand that God has given me a poss- an impossible word to nourish, that makes it possible. When God gives you a word, there's no devil in hell, no situation that can condemn nor destroy the word. In, in spite of what you see, somebody in here needs to grab a hold to a word. The word of God is a seed that the scripture says some water and some even plant that, some plant some water, but God does what? Brings increase. If I don't have increase in deadness, that means I have no seed. Somebody said, man, uh, chaplain, you always have such a passion for God. I wish I had your passion. I said, don't ask for my passion unless you want my pain. I'm not passionate. I'm appreciative. I'm appreciative that he saved the old stinky young sinner like me. I appreciate that he speaks to me. I appreciate that he gives me the privilege to speak about his goodness. I'm not passionate because passionate may fall. I am appreciative of a sacrifice. So when you are in a dead situation, everybody say, try again. This may be my time. Come on. This may be my time. Act like you mean this may be my time. And God, give me a seed. Give me something to take care of again. Give me something to nurture again. Respark that love in my marriage again. Let me look at them like I first looked at them. Let me not forget how, how I used to daydream about them all day how, and sit on the phone until the phone got hot. Bring back the hot, hotness of my marriage. Bring back my zeal for my job. When you called everybody, I said, boy, I got a new job. I got more money. Bring back that thing that used to fuel me before I start seeing the attack of the enemy to start complaining about what I prayed for. This time will be the time I appreciate what he gave me. So after you have a dead hope, it's a this time. And there's a, there's a seed of nurturing and taking care of it. I can't cry about something that dies in my life that I didn't take care of. Many on the bedside cry hard because they was mean to the person dying. But then you see a piece of another that you know, I love them to the very last drop. It never ceases to amaze me when I go into rooms with married couples that the spouse is always the common. Family be losing their mind, but the spouse has this power and this peace because they made sure they lived a life with no regret. They sat there. They loved. They lived. Don't let Satan rob you of your next time because it hurts this time. The next thing we see is a barren faith. Go to chapter 18 in the same book. Chapter 18 is a a barren faith. So we have a dead hope. But then we have this barren faith in Genesis chapter 18, verse 11 through 14. 
in Genesis 18, chapter uh, 18, sorry, verse 11 through 14 says, Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being also old, or my husband being also old? And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child, since I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Now, to get complete context of this, you would have to go back to chapter 17. In chapter 17, we understand that Abraham has a conversation with the Lord. He says, Lord, I know what your word says, and I know what you promised me, but just use my other son that I did in my own power, and God tells him, no, I'm going to use Sarah. In other words, I'm going to use what you don't trust. Okay. In other words, I'm, a going, I'm going to do it my way. In other words, it ain't happened because you're still trying to do it your way. In other words, God is saying, since I have all power, there's nothing that's too hard for me. How about you sit down and let me do this thing for you when you understand that faith has become barren? Okay, what are you saying, preacher? Barren faith is this. I have a desire, but I don't have the tools. Sarah wants to have a baby, but she's barren. And then it says she's, I mean, she's beyond the, the years of childbearing, and we can suggest that this means menopause. So she don't even have an egg. There's somebody in here you want to do for God, but you don't have the resource. You want to do for God, but you're fighting for your life every day. You're wanting to do for God, but you say you don't have the education. You want to do for God, but life has dealt to you a miserable hand. You find every excuse of why you don't do for God because you feel barren. Every time I try some, it don't work out. Every time I find myself finally getting it, it's taken away. Every time I've done it in the past, it, did, it didn't go anywhere. So, chaplain, I, I'm just going to stop. Barren faith. Coming to this room with me, I went to a room with this man that a nurse called and said, hey, Chaplain, I think you really could help this individual. Go in the room, the man about 6'5", and he's fully tatted. He has tattoos on his neck, all over his body, with this big, large man, and he just has the meanest face I had ever seen. And he looks at me and says, what you, go, what you want? You know, so I'm thinking all the back, oh, he must not know who he talking to. So I'm going to go and grace him, the peace and love of God, because I, 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 I see devils. I'm not scared of no man when I've cast out devils. But anyway, I, I sit down right in front of him, and I pull up a seat. I say, what seems to be the problem? He says, have you ever had cancer? I said, nope. He said, well, have you ever had chemo? I said, nope. He said, well, you don't know what I'm about to face. And I'm tired of everybody telling me what to do 
and they don't have to face this chemo. He said, I've lost my marriage because of this disease. Been fighting it for seven years. And it goes and it comes back. And it goes and it comes. He said, I'm just tired. Why don't y'all just let me die? His mother was sitting in the corner weeping. I sat there in silence. And here comes the voice of the Lord again. And I would ask him this question. I said, you, 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 you're right, brother. I have never had cancer. I have never felt the burn of chemotherapy. But I do have something worth fighting for. He stared at me. I said, I hear you have children. So what I'm going to do is get them up here and let you tell them that they ain't worth fighting for. When I said this, anger went from sadness to sadness. He began to weep. He took those large hands and covered his face. And he said, you just don't know the pain. You don't know the pain. I can't fight this. The problem was not the chemotherapy or the cancer. The problem was he couldn't fight it. He couldn't touch what was terrorizing him. This strong man is a fighter, but what's terrorizing me, I can't touch it. He wept, not for the pain, but the hopelessness. I sat there with him as his groans filled the hall, as his mother wept. He said, I lost my job. I've lost my house. I lost my wife. And I said, brother, don't lose hope. I'm speaking to somebody in here that you have lost a lot over the last two and a half years. I cannot give that back to you. But what I do have for you is a hope. I have a hope that God has given you something that's worth fighting for. What we fight for in the body of Christ is an eternal hope. It's a blessed hope that although I've lost almost life and limb, the power of God still rests with me. This man looked me in my face. So you're telling me to do it again. I said, no. I'm telling you to let him do it for the first time. Hope you just caught that. The problem in bearing faith is you're trying to figure out how you can do it. You're looking for ideas. You're looking for theology. You're looking for a word, but you have not yet looked towards a savior. So I said, no, man, I, I know you can't do it, but I know there's nothing too hard for my God. He said, but man, I may die, 
I said, are you saved? He said, yes, yeah, the impossible. He said, what you mean? I said, you're already dead if you're saved. You're living in a bonus round. God took your dead flesh, raised it up with him already. You're in the bonus round, and what you get to do is show this floor the sweet pleasure of someone that says, I serve not because he's treating me well right now, but as my grandma would say, if he don't do nothing else, he's already done enough. What are you saying, Albert? I need somebody in here that's not always having your hands out for God and never put your hands up and surrender. That you always say, God, do it. I need another, but you don't ever say, Lord, I just thank you. That if you don't ever do it right again, I got that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego faith that I know you can do it. But Lord, if you don't rescue me this time, you've been too good to give up. I don't care what the doctor's saying. I don't care what hell is saying. I don't care what my bank account is saying. I don't care what my homies are saying. I don't care what even I'm saying to myself. God, you've been too good to me. See, somebody that's looking at you crazy because you don't know how good God been to your old ignorant self. God been good to me. You said they can't clap. He said, how can I do that? How are all these fools clapping? And they going through what they going through because we know that what my hope is in, it cannot deteriorate. I know that although I've seen some things in my life, I know that my friend this week died, that one day I shall behold his glory. Why? Because God has given me a word. He's given me a word. I went to the game with my son the other day. And uh, uh, we went to go see uh, Golden State. And I was sitting up in there, and uh, I don't like big crowds. I tell her all the time, I'm introverted by nature, extroverted by call. I like having a book, my wife, and nothing else. Okay, that's just how my mind, I, I, too many people, I'm scared of bomb threats and everything. It's just like, I'm thinking about how would me and my son escape if something popped off, right? And so we're there. We're there. And all game, the Spurs were winning. Now, my, my middle son, Adam, he was rooting for the Spurs. I think just because his brother liked Golden State. So he just, whatever you go for, I'm going to go against, right? And he's just yelling, go Spurs, go. Go Spurs. And Albert, he sit up there, he just, he's praying the whole time. Like, Golden State got to gotta pull off because Curry not playing. They the underdogs. But I'm just happy I'm in the building. But he's praying. And it don't look good. I mean, the Spurs winning the whole game. And I'm like, oh, Lord, this is my son Albert's Christmas gift, and he's going to have to come here, didn't get to see Curry, and they're going to lose. And Adam, he's just happy. Goldsburg's go. Goldsburg, look at his brother. Goldsburg's go. But all of a sudden, there was a rally. Golden State started making buckets. Albert, now no longer slumped in his seat, he stood up a little bit, pushed up to the front of the chair, still trying to keep his cool. But all of a sudden, they hit a three, and they was down by four, and Albert yelled a sound of glory I've never heard. And God hit me. I said, what happened? He said, because he can see potential. You just missed all that. The reason that he yelled, even though they were not winning, he saw potential. The reason that I yell and I shout and I preach and I stomp is because in spite of me losing right now, glory be to God, there's a potential hope. What do you mean, Albert? I know my team is making a rally right now. I know Jesus is standing there saying, although you're going through right now, although you're burdened right now, although it's bad right now, there's angels 
angels hitting some buckets for you right now. And I got a potential hope. All of a sudden, they're down by two. All of a sudden, they're up by two. The crowd is going wild because hopelessness has left and a hope has showed up that they were down, but now we're winning. Sometimes fans leave when their team are down. Some of the Golden State fans left the building. But those that had hope in them, now if you can have hope in the Cowboys, if you can have hope in the Steelers, if you can have hope in the underdog, how dare you sit your old sophisticated self there and not yell in spite of it looks like we down. It looks like we ain't going to win this one. It looks like uh, we ain't going to go to the playoffs. But guess what? Stored up for me is a crown. All you Cowboy fans know every year we ain't going nowhere but the first round. But you're going to put your hat on, you're going to put your jersey on, and you're going to say this year is our year. Well, how about you get the same for Jesus Christ and say I've been down. I've been out, but this year hey, is my year. COVID, you are a liar. COVID, you are a liar. You, you better get up in here. Somebody better stand up. It's your year. Okay. It's my year. It's my year. I'm tired of this mask. It's my year. Some folks have died, but it's my year. Some people have lost jobs, but it's my year. The government is divided, but it's my year. Why? Because Jesus yes. is making a rally. Yeah, it's my year. It's my year. It's my time. This is it right here. I'm down right now. I'm out right now, but I got potential. So I told the young man, calm down, Alvin. Calm down. That wasn't even in my notes. But anyway, I come, uh, told the young man, there we go, that, uh, so yeah, I think we're just going to let him fight. You, I'm, not, I'm not about to pray, Lord Jesus, I'm not about to do all that. I came here to tell you what you're scared of has already been defeated. Okay. We're not scared of COVID, y'all. We're scared of dying. Okay, you're not scared of COVID. You're actually scared of dying. Hear this again. You are, if they, that's why we want a cure, because a cure would tell you that you're not going to die. But I know fully vaccinated people that's died in car wrecks. So you're afraid of something that's already been conquered according to his word. That didn't make nobody happy. We're, we're not fearful when we know we have the victory. And Albert told me something. He's pre a preacher. He said, I wasn't worried if they won. I just thank you for the experience. He said, I'll never forget this, Daddy. Yeah. Pulled out my little preacher note. <laughs> How many of y'all are just grateful for the experience? I'm just grateful that I know him. I'm just grateful that he know me. I'm just grateful that I can pray. I'm just grateful that he saved me. I'm just grateful that if, 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 if all of this is taken away, I got him. So that's how we deal in that barren faith. But then we got a forgotten prayer. Go to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. 
Is this all right? Okay. Luke chapter 1. It's a forgotten prayer. In forgotten prayers, while you find Luke chapter 1, verse 8. Luke 1, verse 8. Luke 1, verse 8, is a story of Zacharias. Yeah, Zacharias is a priest. Zacharias has a woman named Elizabeth. Zacharias uh, doesn't have a seed. But he's still serving. Your scripture says, so it was that while he was serving as priest before God in order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. Everybody say the temple. Glory. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid. That's what God tells you right now. Don't, don't you be afraid now. Okay. Why? For your prayer is heard. I got to stop there. Just heard this. Just because I have not seen the manifestation of it, don't mean that it ain't heard. Did you get that? He says, your prayer has been heard. Jesus, when he stands at the tomb of Lazarus, before he opens the tomb, he says, Father, I know you hear me. Satan is trying to discourage your prayer life because you don't think it's being heard. God, do you hear me? God, are you really here? God, are you really real? Because I've been praying, I've been hoping, I've been reading, I didn't stop drinking, I, I don't even do that stuff, and I still have not seen the, the manifestation of what I really want. He says, I heard your prayer, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall name him John. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am old. I'm an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, ooh, glory, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. I'm about to walk us through three points real quick. <clears throat> when I'm dealing with dead hope, when I'm dealing with a burden faith, and when I feel like my prayer life is not getting to the throne, I got three points for you. And then I'm going to shout us out, and I'm going to get on up out of here. The first point is in verse 8. It says why he was serving. Whatever you are going through should not hinder your desire to serve. Okay. This side, they just looked at me funny. So let me see about this. Whatever I'm facing 
whatever I'm feeling, whatever is going on in my life should not cancel my ability to serve. Christ is on a cross still serving. Paul is in jail still serving. Stephen is getting stoned still serving. We see all through scripture that the sons and daughters of God shock the earth that when we are going through our worst, we are still serving. We're looking for someone to bless. We're looking for something to preach. We're looking for someone to lay hands on. We're looking for a devil to cast out. I don't care what you're going through today. It may not end today, but you can still serve. I'm going to find something to serve. I'm going to find something to do in this kingdom. I tell my wife all the time, if you drop me off in the middle of the ocean, come back in a month, we're going to have a congregation. I don't care where you go. I'll have, a, I'll have a well. I'll have a dolphin. I'll have all kinds of stuff. If you drop me off in a barren land, I still have the passion to serve. Serving ain't about my preaching. You ain't going to outserve me. I tell you all my patience, you ain't going you might, you listen, you might be able to outpray me. You might be able to outpreach me, but you can't outlove me. I don't care. I don't care. You might love as much as I do, but not more than I do. I look forward to the service of the kingdom. I'm preaching right now. This ain't service. Service is going to, to, to a, a grocery store and looking. Man, Lord, just show me somebody in here I can. I'm about to somebody about to get this bit. Oh, come here. You, you with your daughter. I'm about to pay for your groceries. It's going to the water where the water company is and say, man, who, who here behind on their water bill? I'm about to pay somebody water bill off. And you, it, it's going into a store and say, them three people right there, I'm paying for you. And then you tell me, no, I did this because the Lord told me. The Lord told you, yeah, I'm looking for service. I'm going to just go to the corner store. And sit there in the cold and just say, I'm about to pump, I'm about to pump their gas, I'm going to pump their gas, and then I'm going to pump their gas, and I, I'm going to just tell you it's the goodness of Jesus. It's looking for an opportunity to serve. Yes, yes. I thought that would be what you shouted about. But so, so okay, all right. You shout if somebody did it for you, but you don't shout when you do it for somebody else. So somebody did what I just said for you. You say, hallelujah, God bless me. And you don't even need it. But you won't seek the heavens for someone that's praying for your blessing. Why would God do it? And he gave you the empowerment to do it for him. Okay, that was, that's okay. This one, I'll move on. All right. Th thank you, sister. Thank you so much. It got real quiet on me. Thank you. And so now we're going to go look at the next point. Is after I, I don't stop serving, it says he went to the temple. So not only is he going through, he's serving, but he ain't stopped meeting at the temple. There's an attack on the body of Christ right now to isolate us. There's an attack on the body of Christ right now to start having an online church. The reason that I know that God's not for, I'm saying, I know y'all there online, don't, don't feel bad. I just heard your spirit. You're good. Listen to what I'm saying. Don't be offended. Okay, thank you. So now, the reason that we see the power of assembling together is that Paul tells the church, I wish that I was with you that I may impart gifts. Yes. Meaning that there's a power in the presence of God that I can't get looking at a screen. 
that there's something about assembling together with other faith-filled believers where somebody say amen, the other one say hallelujah, the other one say thank you Jesus, and it builds and restores a hope that I may have come in not having. So he kept coming. He kept serving. He kept on coming to the temple. But here's the thing right here. Next it says, as the whole multitude of the people was praying, I got to serve. I got to keep coming, and I can't stop praying. Okay. I have to serve. I got to keep on coming. Ain't nothing happening. Ain't nothing changing. I'm going to keep on coming, and I can't stop praying. I'm going to keep on serving in spite of what it looked like. I'm going to keep on coming here, and I'm going to keep on praying. You have to get to a place in your life where you say, Lord, I'm going to pray till I see it. I'm going to pray till it hurts. I'm going to pray until I see the manifestation and behold your glory. I'm going to pray for the peace of my mind till I feel it. I'm going to pray for the restoration of my family till I feel it. I got sisters and brothers and cousins I don't even talk to. And until we see each other and we all raise our hands for you, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray, Lord, till I can pay all my bills. I'm going to pray to all my children are saved. I'm going to pray, Lord, until every sickness I come across before my appointed time leaves me. I'm going to keep on praying. So check this out. I like hunting. That didn't get it for you. I like hunting. And I, I shot this deer called the Dominator. Pastor Walker told me it was a Dominator. I said, oh man, I'm just excited about this deer. I examined this deer, seen this deer, all in my mind. I'm daydreaming about this deer. I say, baby, I, I got to go shoot this deer. She liked deer meat, so we was in the grieving. I go out there, and he comes out. I see him. I know it's him. Me and the individual that I was with, I, uh, uh, Mr. Gary Miller, we was having a little tussle about, is this the deer? I'm saying, yes, Gary. I mean, I seen this thing. Huh? I know it. No, no, wait a minute. So we text him, Pastor, my blood pressure sky high. And so I shoot this deer. The shot felt good. Look, I said, oh, man, it's over. And it was a hog there, so I said, might well get him, too. So I popped him, too. Two for one. Here we go. It's getting dark. So now I'm concerned. I called Pastor. We got him. We get about 50 yards into the brush line. It's no blood. So I was all right. But it's getting dark. We go about 100 yards in. It's no blood. And it's darker. Gary yells, Albert! I said, oh, we found the deer. He said, I found, them. I found some blood. So I walked to him. It's a little speck of blood. And he said, we on the trail. It's dark. I don't have a light. Gary has a light. Gary is on the blood trail. And then he says, stand on the blood. Gary has a light. I don't have a light. It's dark around me. I can't find what I'm looking for. And he says, stand on the blood. I thought I was going to hit you. Gary has a light. I don't have a light. I can't see what's going on around me. I'm hearing sounds. It's getting darker. I don't know where my next step is going. But Gary says, stand on the blood. He yells again, Albert, I found something there. There goes another little speck of blood. He says, stand on the blood. I learned from Gary 
in this situation that when it's glim and dim, I can't see nothing around me. I can't see nothing before me. I'm nervous. I'm scared. My anxiety is through the roof. Albert, if you can follow the light, if you can hear my voice, just stand on the blood. I stood there on that blood as he searched for that deer. We looked for that deer. We were looking all over, 300 yards in, we're searching, but we still find blood. Watch this now. I did not find the deer, but I did find the revelation of Jesus, is that when I'm in my darkest moments, when I'm all alone, when my excitement was there, but now it's gone, when hopelessness faces me, if I stand on the blood, if I follow his voice, and if I look towards the light, I'm not alone. There's hope. There's potential. I may find it. And if I don't find this one, I'll get the next one. But I will stand on the blood. We have to stand on the blood. When you cry and stand, when things are dying, stand. When you sick, stand on the blood. The evidence of Christ is the blood. My hope is built on nothing less but Jesus' blood and a righteousness. Why do we have so much despair? It's because Satan has put your hope in something else. It's his blood that I hope in. Yeah. It's his blood. It's his blood that saved me. It's his blood that'll keep me. It's his blood that healed me. It's his blood that delivered me. We then became a church where we don't talk about his blood. His blood, it reaches to the highest mountain. It flows to the lowest valley. The blood that gives me strength. To, it will never, 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 COVID, it will never, cancer, it will never, fear, it will never, doubt, it will never, ever, ever lose its power. It's his blood that made me walk right. It's his blood that made me talk right. It's his blood that gives me faith. It's his blood that gives me peace. It's his blood that gives me prosperity. Not no job, not no news anchor. It's the blood. The church is getting back to a place where our faith, glory be to God, is in blood. It's his blood that's going to get me through my, my tomorrow. I told my friend, I'm almost finished, I'm done. I told my buddy the other day, I said, if, if some preacher tells me again that the church don't have no power, I'm going to slap him. I said, it, 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 we ain't just talking about people getting out of wheelchairs. See, we ain't got so bored with the blessings of God, we got to see miraculous, miraculous signs. It takes the Holy Ghost to keep your marriage. It takes the Holy Ghost to get you up out your bed and press on. So we say, we don't have no power because people ain't getting out of wheelchairs. We don't have power because people are getting sick. No, the power is that he'll keep me when ain't nothing happening. Amen. Me and my wife, a few months back, I'm going to go to one more text, but I'm out. A few months back, I'm sitting there. I get home and my, my youngest son can't breathe. He was struggling for each breath. My wife had held him. I was at work. And he was crying. We get, she takes him to the hospital. I just got home from work. I had dealt with some stuff there too. And she says his oxygen is at 80. And if it don't go up, they're going to have to intubate him. The intubator is going to put a tube down his throat to help him breathe. 
And I asked God a question. How, this is the question. This is why I was at. How dare you? Do you know who I am? So I asked God, do you know how much I pray? You going to, my son is how, what, how dare you? I'm losing it. Then wife said they're gonna put on. They gotta put him in the uh, ambulance and take him to another. I said, "What the God? Listen, listen. You have to be. You have to be kidding me. For mine to be sick. This is what I cover. I pray. I can't. God came in that room, pushed me on my face, and said, "Who told you he was yours? Oh, I just. You just missed that right there. Who told you your marriage is yours?" Who told you your children are yours? Who even told your crazy self that your own body is yours? He said, did you not know that your body now belongs to me? My blood purchased that. But if you want it back, go and do your thing. But I'm trying to tell somebody right here, if you know that you blood bought, if you know that you have been Christ redeemed, I don't have to fear hell or any man because I am not my own. Galatians 2.20, come here. For the Lord says in Galatians 2.20, no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. I have been purchased with a price. John the Baptist in Luke chapter 7 is in jail. He calls out to his kinfolk. He tells the disciples, y'all come here first. Go tell my cousin, is, it, is he the one? Or should we wait for another? John the Baptist in prison. They about to kill him. He don't ask for commissary. He don't say put something on my books, mama. He says, all I want to know is he the one. Again, this one must not, it must be too cold outside. John the Baptist is in prison. They're about to kill him. He calls his homeboys. He don't say pray for me. He don't say, man, we got to get out of here. He don't say, send some angels. He says, all I want to know is if he's the one. I come all the way over here, been through the storm and rain to tell you one thing. He's the one. You ain't got to worry because he's the one. He's the one that raises dead things. He's the one that will give you a promise when everybody else leaves you. He's the one that will heal your body. He's the one that will heal your brokenness. He's the one that will give you a word when Satan tries to tear it away. He's the one, glory, that will let you do it again. He's the one that will resurrect the dead hope. He's the one that will make your fields when they were barren prosper. He's the one that hears our prayers. Church, we have a responsibility to our children to show them that he is the one. He's the one that brought my grandmother through. He's the one that brought my mama through. He's the one that's going to bring me through. And he's the one that'll take you through. He is the one. He's the one. He's the one. He's the one that they thought was dead. He's the one that rose early on that Sunday morning. He's the one that has all power in his hand. He's the one that kept Paul. He's the one that brought Abraham out. He's the one that brought Sarah out. He's the one that delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He is the one, but you're still sitting there because you don't believe that that one still works today. Get up on your feet if you believe he's the one. He's the one. In spite of what I feel sometimes, God is the one. In spite of what I see, God, you're the one. Your blood bought me and I know you're the one. He's the one. He's the one. He is the one. God, you're the one. 
You're the one. You're the one. You're the one that's kept my marriage, Lord. You're the one that healed my son, God. You are the one. You're the one that'll be with me. You are the one that keeps me. No matter what you face, children, know that he is the one. There's a passion that has to come to us again for Christ and no other thing to know he's the one. I know he'll do it. He kept my grandmother when my grandfather died in his 40s. He's the one. He's the one that raised me when my daddy walked out of my He's the one. He's the one that's taught me how to raise the He is the one. I don't know who I'm talking to, but Christ is the one. There's no other one. There's no other one which by you can be saved. Christ is the one. He's the one. When you lose something, he'll be there. He's the one that'll remain faithful to you. He's the one. I know it's been hard for you. I know you've been going through, but he's the one. He's the one. Whatever we face together as his church, we have a hope in his blood that he's the one. When the disciples brought back the word to John, I believe there was a hope and comfort that came to him. It said this preaching wasn't in vain. My pain wasn't in vain. My sacrifice wasn't in vain. Christ tells us in Matthew chapter 24, he says this, he says, those who endure to the end shall be saved. All hell is doing in our life is trying to disrupt our endurance. You have to get a hope that you say, Lord, I've been through too much hell to turn back now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to a point where no matter what, I know you're the one. So check this out. I'm about to pray. I'm about to pray for you. I believe on the power of the laying on of hands. I'm old school, I guess. But I think if you, if, if you want to, I'm about to be at this altar and I'm going to pray with you. What I'm praying for is not saying that what you hear here is going to stop what you got to face out there. But I just want him to keep you full of hope and full of joy. We're not passionate or crazy. You just got to hope, y'all. That's why you keep coming. You hope this thing's real. You got to hope. He may not bring me out of every situation. There will be a time I have to transition from those that I've learned to love to one that I'm continuously learning to love. I'm going to cry. I'll miss them. My sons may be older men, but I pray they can look down on their daddy transitioning body and say he knew that he was the one. That he kept the faith. He fought that fight. But here's the, here's the key. He finished the course. I need y'all to be comfortable with coming here if you say, I mean, I'm, I'm broken. I'm, I'm struggling. But I got a hope, and I just want you to partner with me in this hope. I'll stay here as long as I can until they kick me out. Because I believe in the power of prayer. Does prayer change God's mind? No. But does prayer change his things? Absolutely. And sometimes the one that needs to be changed in my prayer life is me. As God told me that night, I was laying on the floor. Who said he was your son? Either I have you or I don't have you out. Either I hold your life in my hand or I don't. So what I want you to do is uh, come to this altar. I'm going to pray for the online family. 
want us to come to this altar. I want us to, to pray together. One thing I didn't say with uh, Zachariah is this. He was next to the altar of incense. And at that altar bay, the priest would go in, and as the fragrance went up, he would intercede for the people. He wasn't at that altar of incense just praying for himself. It was a prayer of intercession at the altar of incense. And it reminded the priest that you should always keep the people before God and before your mind. The altar is a place that you don't only ask for things for yourself, but the person that's standing beside you, the family member that's not here. That God, when you bless me with this seed, I'll give it back to you for your glory. So as y'all come, I'm going to pray for our family online, and then I'll pray for you. So Father, we come to you right now, and I pray that you are pleased with the service that I've given. I pray right now, Lord, that those that are sitting at home that may be sick in their body or their minds, that they know that you are the one. They may not get another house or another job. They may not even get out of this storm, but Lord, let them not lose their hope in you. And if you choose to deliver, let the praise of the victory flow out of them like a well. Some of them are broken and lonely. And in their life, they really are socially distant. But Lord, come to them in their room right now. Move in their situation right now. Let us become a church where our desire is for you. We all have had dead hope at times. We all have faced barren situations. And even me, I feel like my prayers are not heard. But we're going to keep on praying. We're going to keep on coming. We're going to keep on serving. We're going to stand on the blood. Look towards the light and follow your voice even in our darkest prisons, in the hardness of life, let us know that you are here and that you are the one. I pray for now, Lord, the spirit of this house, the, the leader of this house, Pastor Walker and his wife. Lord, please, God, as they serve this body, strengthen them that they may know that you have called them for such a time as this. This is the time. This is the time. And this time it shall happen differently. Lord, we thank you and we love you. We give you all glory, honor, and praise because you're worthy of it all. We're not done no matter our age. We got strength. No matter our situation, we have strength and purpose. So pull it out of us that we may be grateful for you. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen and thank God. Y'all come to the altar and join me if you're willing. If you can't come, you send somebody to tell me to come to you and I'll run out there to you. But y'all, I love y'all with a passion. My heart has been linked with the servant of this house. And wherever I go, you go with me.
And I can't wait till we meet again. I love y'all. And God bless you.